Uh-huh. I know what you're thinking. Is this the booth drafting the circuits? Three-way theater or the Kevin Jackson show? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kinda lost track myself here on Hoobazoo.com. So, do you feel lucky, punk? Oscar Mike Radio. Come in. Come in, Oscar Mike Radio. Sinister One, this is Oscar Mike. I have Ulima Charlie over. This is Jack White with South Shore News and Views. Heard every Wednesday afternoon at this time at 1530 on your radio dial, WVBF. And you can reach us at 508-822-1106. And joining me today, my good friend and co-host, Murray Vetstein. World's oldest intern. Well. How are you, Jack? <laughs> How are you? Well, when you say the world's oldest intern, are you saying that because every day we all age one more day or something like I this? Seem so be, you, I seem to be aging more quickly than most. Be, but gracefully? No, not so gracefully. Well, I don't know. Yeah. You're not tripping down the stairs yet like yeah, some yeah. people I know, so I guess maybe it is gracefully. Uh, yeah. So you you must be exhausted today because uh, yesterday was the big election day in Brockton. Uh, that is you, correct. So you get started at what two in the morning? Uh, it, it, it's on, It's somewhat similar to that. People just don't realize. And uh, as, as the saying goes, uh, yes, I did work the election. I've been an election official, quote unquote, for uh, a number of years now in Brockton. And initially, you know, what it came down to is I, I started talking politics on the radio and various other things, and we be talking to politicians and people campaigning for office and so forth. And like many people, uh, you go to the polls, you know, one, once a year, twice a year, or every other year, as the case may be, in your local uh, uh, municipality or a state election or a, uh, uh, a presidential election, whatever the case may be. And you're in and you're out and you're there for five minutes, or if it's a presidential election, you might be in line for 10, 15, 20 minutes, which is is a good thing because it means you're showing that you're interested, you're concerned, you want to see who's representing you and, and your family and so forth, uh, you know, various levels of government. Mm. But all that being said, you really, at times, you you only see that five-minute or ten-minute thing of what's going on. So that piqued my curiosity as to exactly how the elections worked, and that's how I got involved. And I said, well, I'll go, I'll go look into be volunteering, as they say, to become a, a paid election uh, camp worker uh, for that one day or so forth. And uh, what goes on is Larry Glick used to say, the story behind the story. Yeah. And I found it very interesting to the point I've been doing it for oh, six, seven, eight years now. And mm-hmm. it is very interesting. And I, even an example where people go in, and no matter where you go to vote, one 
thing that you always see is a police officer. Yes. And I was always under the impression police officers there just to keep the peace or mm. someone got rowdy or something like that. What I didn't realize is they also have uh, oversight to a certain extent in terms of security of the election box, the voting machine, the ballot, really? the ballot box and mm. so forth. So that not only are they bringing the ballots out in a sealed bag in the morning, they bring it back to uh, usually City Hall at the end of the day. But in the course of the day, they have the keys for the 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 election box, the voting machine, such that if there's a malfunction, a vote gets jammed or something like that, and it has to be cleared, the paper inside, and if it can't be cleared, cleared manually, they have the oversight and, and they control that key to observe those people. Give the key to the campaign warden or the clerk who is ever in charge of that particular precinct, and they oversee if you have to open up the box to clear a jam or some type of malfunction to make sure that they are being honest, all the, the election workers, mm -hmm. with what's going on. So there's a lot of levels of security that people don't realize. You know, you talk about elections being rigged and, and so on and so forth, and we heard that particularly in the presidential race last time. Very hard to do with the actual ballots themselves. They are very closely monitored with different levels of security that the public just isn't aware of, which is a good thing. Sure. Which yeah. is a good thing. Now, before we're, today we're going to be talking about everything veteran-related with Veterans Day coming up this Saturday. But before we get to that, and before we introduce our two in-studio guests, um, you wanted to kind of quickly review the re election results? Sure. We, we, just really you're rapidly in terms of uh, yeah. the fine city of Brockton. And like I say, it is a long day. I, I, it was, the polls are open from 7 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock at night. And I've said many times, hey, the best time to go vote is on your way to work in the morning. Yeah, usually the lines are just usually a few people. You're in, you're out, uh, versus for a lot of people, you go into your, your, your job, and it's a, it's a long day at work, tough day with the boss or the clients or whatever, and then it's traffic home, and you feel, oh, I'm so tired, you just want to go home and have a, a, a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, or maybe a cold beer, and you, you just don't even want to go vote no matter what the race is sometimes. Best time to vote early in the morning. So I'm there at 6 in the morning, and we didn't get it. Polls closed at 8. I didn't get out of there until 9.30. Oh, my God. <laughs> in terms of the, the paperwork, counting the ballots, uh, doing uh, everything else to verify that everything, all the books balanced and everything else. So wow. it is a long day. Yeah. So just a quick recap for the, yeah. uh, in Brockton. Uh, Mayor Carpenter uh, won for, for re-election. Uh, this is this will be his third term. And uh, he won 54 to 45% uh, to uh, Jimmy Pereira, who actually I thought it was a pretty good uh, uh, amount of votes that he got 45% for a political newcomer. Hadn't run for office before. A younger gentleman. I think he's only 26 or 28 or oh, in that yeah. ballpark. Yep. Very impressive. And uh, the other uh, quick race I just want to mention, uh, the city council at large, unlike Taunton, we have in Brockton, there are district uh, award councils, seven of those and four at large. Shana Barnes, good friend of the show, has been on here a number of times this sure. year, chose not to run for re-election. So it was pretty much her seat that was uh, open. Uh, and when um, uh, Farwell, Moser, Rodriguez, and Bob Sullivan, who were all the incumbents of the city council large, got re-elected. And John Bradley, and pardon me, I'm not sure of the pronunciation last name, Dererencourt? Uh, yeah. yeah, I think Court. that's correct. Yeah. Uh, uh, political newcomer, 
uh, Haitian American, uh, became a U.S. citizen about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, very impressive. Uh, I've heard him speak, and uh, he uh, is the new, uh, new going to be the newly elected uh, city councilor at large. So uh, a round of applause for him. It's yeah. always very impressive to see a young person run, <laughs> and uh, also, which is not the easiest thing to do for anybody, whether here in Taunton or in Brockton. Uh, I'm very, very impressed yeah. by the number of people who do choose to run. You know, mm-hmm. and for political newcomers to do very well uh, is is always uh, very interesting. Good for him and good for the city. Yeah, mm-hmm. and one, one thing I do want to mention, uh, it's a vote total in, uh, for mayor in Brockton. Um, there was roughly uh, Bill Coppin about 6,600 votes, Jimmy Perea 5,500, but there were five, little over 500 blanks. So one wonders if someone just zipped by and, and didn't vote for mayor, which I tend to think it was not the case, yeah. uh, but uh, may not have voted for perhaps they would pleased with Coppin or perhaps they just didn't know who Mr. Pereira was. Mm-hmm. So it'll be very interesting. But it was a relatively close race. Right. And I also want to uh, uh, give, I hate to use the phrase a shout out, but I'll use it this time. Uh, Susan DeCastro, city councilor, and Ward Four in Brockton, who had run for office before city councilor at large. Uh, this time she, she uh, um, won in uh, Ward and Four. Susan, so. Susan's been a guest on our show. And yes, she has. Extremely intelligent, uh, very. Uh, just you can't say enough good things about Susan DeCastro. So I thought the uh, the turn on the park, then, I'm not sure the actual percentage city-wise, but uh, the precinct I was pretty busy all day long, even though there was uh, uh, only a few races. City council. 26%. 26. 26. Wow. Yeah. In Brockton. In Brockton. Thank you, thank you Tony. 18.4 in 20. Wow. So we did better than you guys, as they say. No measures. Uh, well, well, oh, yeah. Right. And, and in Brockton, there was uh, the mayor's race, which obviously some people are going to turn out in, in uh, Brockton. The city councilors at large, there were I've, in few of the wards, uh, there were a contested uh, 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 candidate for either city council or school committee. Uh, Jack Lau, who was a guest on the show, and actually was down here last week, uh, his uh, opposition was Julian Zygmunt. And uh, Jack uh, did very well. He, in fact, I believe he was the highest uh, vote total in the city percentage-wise. Wow. He got a little over seventy percent, wow. which uh, which is an impressive. I thought the opponent was pretty good. Yeah. Yes, I, yeah, I was very impressed sure. by her. First time that I've met her, uh, I was very impressed yeah. by her. Yeah. Uh, but I, uh, uh, congratulations, Jack Lally. Uh, like I said, he wasn't. It was a, uh, a local ward race as opposed to him uh, in Brockton, where, uh, excuse me, in Taunton, where everybody runs citywide. But uh, anytime that you win with a 70 percent uh, uh, share of the actual votes cast is pretty impressive on any race. Yeah, right. That right. that kind of qualifies as a mandate. And I think 26 percent, if I'm correct, is about where the secretary of state's office predicted statewide. They thought voter turnout would be the 24 to 26 percent. So right. I think they're kind of right on that bandwidth. Right. Uh, uh, the, in the primary or preliminary, I always get those two yeah. words confused. It was between uh, nine and ten percent, like nine and a half. Which and, is and, terrible. Yeah, yeah, that is terrible. Which yeah. is terrible. But the, the reality is, as I said before, and I, I'll say it again today, if you went into uh, downtown Brockton or any place in Brockton and you do as I used to call the man on the street or the woman on the street interview, yes. and you say, hey, did you vote yesterday? And a certain percentage, and it'd be interesting how much you say, oh. There was an election yesterday. Yeah. They just don't know. Even the day after the election, they're just not paying attention to what's going on. By the way, because we've talked about this a little bit, uh, and then we'll move on to the topic of the day. Uh, Last Saturday, there was a special election in the town of Middleborough, Mm -hmm. where I happen to live. And in Middleborough, the voters approved uh, the funding, uh, which is basically a prop two and a half override 
for the new high school. Open so the school, good. Middleborough good. will be building a new high school with uh, substantial state aid. And uh, personally, I was very excited about that. So, yeah, but yeah. the reason for uh, the the real topic of today's show has uh, little to do with any of that. Uh, this Saturday, uh, November 11th, is Veterans Day, which is a holiday that we take very seriously here at WVBF. And uh, we've invited two of our favorite frequent guests slash co-hosts. Uh, we have Brian Hoffman, who has come on many times to talk about his uh, his regular job, which is at the Children's Museum in Easton, Children's Museum of Easton, I think it's. No, in Easton. Yeah. In Easton. Yep. Look, I had it right it. the first time. Absolutely. So welcome, Brian. Thank you. Good to be here. Good to see you, Jack. And uh, we also have Travis Partington, who is uh, our podcaster extraordinaire. <laughs> Uh, Travis, uh, what's the name of your bro- your podcast that you do? My podcast is Oscar Mike Radio and Military Speak. Oscar Mike is on mission. Or, so we're on mission for veterans and military. All right. And Travis is a Marine Corps veteran, and Brian is a Navy veteran. And uh, Brian, your your wife uh, is a Navy veteran. Your, she is. Uh, your daughter is still active duty Navy, was a Top Gun pilot. She is. She was. She is. And her husband is still, or he's in the reserve. He's still, now. yeah, but he's still active. Still he's still active. flying for the Navy. And I got to interrupt for a minute. And also, Murray, you are a Navy veteran. Say, That's right. Don't, 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 don't be shy, Murray. I won't be shy. I'm not, Travis, you think I'm shy? No. And then Jack, <laughs> Jack's mom was a Marine Corps veteran. You know, I just learned that before we went on the air. Yeah. And I am wishing, like, Heck, that I could have had a chance to meet your mom because she sounds like one one uh, spiffy lady, I'll tell you. When you think about it, she was in the Marine Corps way before women yeah. were, uh, yeah. you know, commonly in the military. i got to tell you who, went her, her, who also was in her barracks, a well-known individual. Remember the TV show Maud? Yes. With mm. Beata? No yeah. kidding. Beata looked like a Marine. Oh, she, she was did. rough. She yeah, was she tough did. and stuff she like that. She sounded like a Marine, too. I'll tell you a story off the air about Beata, too. <laughs> <laughs> the late Beata. Yes. Yeah. So um, what, before we get started, we wanted to uh, give that phone number again, 508-822-1106. We are very anxious today to hear from all veterans. Uh we, we any anything that you want to talk about, whether it's your own personal uh, time in the service, uh, any veterans issues that you want to discuss, uh, and there's so many things we can touch on. Uh, but we'd love to hear from uh, all veterans today. Please call in 508-822-1106. Anything is fair game. Um, and, Brian, you have a little, uh, you're going to sweeten the pot a little bit, right? I am. I'm, we're going to try to. Anyhow, we've got uh, two sets of passes to the Children's Museum in Easton for the first two veterans who call into that number today. Uh, you don't need to show us your DD-214. We're going to no. trust you that okay. uh, you were a veteran if you say so. But whether you're a parent or a grandparent or an uncle or a caretaker, if you're a veteran, we honor that service. And the Children's Museum in Easton takes Veterans Day very seriously. We'll talk about some of the things we're going to be doing on Saturday. But we've got two passes for uh, each each good for four people for any day, any time that the museum is open. And that's for uh, veterans who have served our country. Uh, please give us 
us a call, and uh, we'll be glad to hold those passes or send them out to you. And, and the Children's Museum, great place for, for young kids or for people like me who's a kid at heart. And you exactly. guys will attest to the fact that I got more <laughs> toys than a lot of kids. Uh, you, and you know for me that, you know, I've been working there for five and a half years or so. I, I'm still very often the last guy out of the building, and the last thing I'll do sometimes is to go play with one of the exhibits you've on been, my way out the door. You've been doing a slide on the pole, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, I'm a little too old for that. <laughs> but there's a, there's this crafty uh, golf ball raceway that was built by volunteers when the museum opened, and I'm absolutely, you know, very, very likely to walk up those stairs and drop a couple of golf balls in and watch them race around just because, you're right, Jack, we never totally grow up. And every time that I do go there, I do do drop the golf balls also. <laughs> So I, I wanted to ask uh, Brian and Travis a question, because this is something that's been a pet peeve of mine for a long time, so I might as well put it out there. The difference between Veterans Day, which is this Saturday, and Memorial Day, mm-hmm. uh, it, I've noticed uh, on social media in particular that there is no difference, that many people don't, make a, uh, don't distinguish mm-hmm. between those two very important holidays. Mm. And that drives me a little crazy. It's a short drive, by the way. Yeah, so I'll defer to Travis for the first shot on that right. one. Travis, you want to address that one, please? Sure. I can certainly understand where you're coming from with with that. I feel that uh, it's, it's kind of weird. Memorial Day is a, is a somber day of people who yes. have paid the ultimate price for our freedom, but it's like a huge you know, party. But we can't get people to show up for like the Brockton's uh, Veterans Day Parade. Mm. And we can't get people to understand what that meant, the and the real history behind it, which was from World War One. A lot of people don't make that connection, and I really feel that um, part of it is we don't teach it in schools like we should, maybe. Right. And then you know we as veterans too have to be willing to talk about it in forums like this one or on social media and do a little education ourselves because. You know, if we don't take that lead, no one else is going to. But I definitely get your your angst, if you will. Uh, I'm just sitting there last Memorial Day, and we're going to have the big party. I'm like, no. I mean, there's <laughs> there's people I served with, and probably you served with, mm-hmm. all three of us here that aren't with us anymore, mm-hmm. who paid the price to to allow me to be here. That's their time. This is our time to have fun and party and, and right. remember that we had some good times. Yeah, right. I think that was well said. I'm not sure I'd add anything to it except that I think that Travis is right. It's partly how we educate our society. And I think partly, too, it's um, a willingness to say, well, if that's the way you're going to celebrate it, I'll join in because at least you're honoring uh, the fallen. I think, as Travis said, there are more respectful, more somber, more meaningful ways to do that. For me, often it's to visit the VA hospital and work with some of the patients there. I mean, there's a palliative care unit at Brockton that is populated with World War II and Korea veterans who literally are in hospice. That's what that palliative care unit is for. And they don't have family. They don't have friends. They don't have people who visit them. And so if you have a chance to go spend a half an hour and play a game of checkers mm-hmm. with an Army veteran from Korea or, you know, a, a Navy or a Marine Corps guy from World War II, th- that is the way I think we honor the veterans on Memorial Day, those and those who have fallen. Because every one of those guys, Travis is absolutely right, every one of them has a story to tell. Mm. And every one of us has people that we served with, people whose service we valued who are no longer here. 
uh, and, and that that ought to be meaningful. And Brian, you mentioned the World War II vets. I mean, they're they're you know fewer and fewer. Yeah, I, mean, okay. I don't want to be uh, you know depressing about it, but hmm. you know they're at the age where absolutely they're, they're not going to yeah. be around much longer. Yeah. Um, and a so, chance to honor them is yeah. something special. Yeah. It really is. When you do the quick math, so to speak, if you were yeah. a veteran and let's say you went into the uh, World War II in let's say forty-five, right? Okay, and you were eighteen. Okay, unless you lied about your age, but let's say you're 18. Which a lot of them did. Yeah. <laughs> so you would have been born around 1927, which makes you roughly a World War II veteran. They're all going to be 90 years old and up. Yeah. So 90 and up, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's a good way to put yeah. it. And the ones who are ill, the ones who don't have a lot of family uh, or support mechanisms, are the ones who most can benefit from a little kindness, a little attention. And again, that doesn't get to the complete point of Memorial Day is all about those who have given the ultimate sacrifice, right. those those who have fallen in the service of their country. But I think working with aging veterans, working with disabled veterans, working with any veterans is, you know, a, 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 a laudable thing to do. But staying in tune with people who are, you know, uh, about to... Uh, you know, send off from this uh, mortal space, you know, is something that really can make a difference. You know, you, you guys make the point uh, very well said uh, in terms of remembering veterans, not only the current veterans that are still alive, but veterans from that have passed away over the years. And as you all three were mentioning, people you serve with, and there's a number of them that you might have been in basic training with, or mm-hmm. on deployment with, or served overseas, or in, in country, as the case may be here in the United States that are no longer around. Yeah. One of my favorite comic strips, and this may sound wrong to bring it up, but one of my favorite comic strips that has been for years is the Better or Worse comic strip in the oh, Enterprise yeah. and elsewhere. Yeah. And it's a Canadian-based strip. And, 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 and he references every so often about being up in Canada. Just a day or two ago, uh, there were the, the little four cartoons, uh, the four blocks of the cartoon is, is the mother and the little girl that's probably all five years old walking down the street. And there's... Uh, a couple of older veterans there, and I think they're selling poppies or something like that. Mm-hmm. But what it said was Remembrance Day. And they see a couple of those, and in the last panel, uh, because Remembrance Day is the Canadian version of Veterans Day, I believe, mm-hmm. in terms of things. Mm-hmm. And in the last panel, the little girl's looking up at the mother and saying, you know, what are we trying to, what are we supposed to remember? Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it was, for a comic strip, it was poignant right. in That's terms right. of yep. you tend to take things for granted and not realize about, as you guys are saying, Veterans Day. And it might have been Uncle Louie or your parent, or in my case, my mother, mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of people, uh, individuals like yourself who uh, mm-hmm. took the time to enlist or in some cases be drafted sure. uh, back up to, what, 73 or something, or 75, as the case may be, and, and, and serve the country and, and defend the country. And mm-hmm. people... You don't really think deep enough about uh, that type of, of sacrifice. Yep. You're absolutely right, Jack. You know, you mentioned the, uh, the 18-year-old. I joined when I was 17. I needed to have my parents' permission, so sign permit. Yep. You did, you did oh, Brian? Yeah. Yep. yeah, but I, I went in when I was 17, yep. three days out of high school yep. I was in. Is, is that because for both of you, you had a messy room and your parents were trying to get <laughs> yes. you to move out for a while? <laughs> it was clear. That I'll let Murray speak for himself. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, uh, in my case, I, I knew what I wanted to do, and it was like, what am I going to wait around? Because I know some people when they enlist now, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll yeah. say, well, I'm going in in three months or sure. four months. I'm thinking, what are you waiting for? You know, just well, sometimes it's the service that's asking them to wait that's because true. they're parsing them into specialty occupations where they, they know what their T.O. looks like and they know how many bodies they're going to need two months out, six months yeah. out. When you say T.O.? 
the, the table of organization there. Okay. It basically, you know, you've got a if you're in Washington, you've got a manpower planning forecast that would probably fill five walls. <laughs> and it looks at every specialty, MOS for the Army, NEC for the Navy, that type of thing. It says we're going to need six of those guys a year and a half from now. Because either uh, the potential retirements, sure. because they've done the or 20 separations, years or more, or separations. Because somebody's getting out in their four years. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So I, I, based on statistics, I have a pretty yeah. good idea of what yeah, the forecast is going to be down the line. It, it's, it's not a science, but it's a data exercise that works pretty well. Um, when we come back, I want to ask Brian and Travis about the draft. I want to find out if okay. we bring the draft. You're on. We need to pay a few bills. So. <laughs> we do. Let's do some bill pay. Hey, we're not, when we talk about draft, we're not talking about the cold day outside no, today. No. <laughs> we'll be right back, so stay tuned. Know Mary Vetstein as the world's oldest intern on WVBF South Shore News and Views. When Murray isn't making radio listeners laugh, he works at Source 4, helping businesses grow with creative printing, promotional products, and logo apparel programs. Source 4 uses its in-house graphic design studio and fulfillment center in Brockton to support hundreds of clients in every vertical market. Printing, promotional products, and logo apparel should be part of every company's marketing mix. Please call Murray to discuss your specific marketing goals and strategies. He can be reached at 508-562-4812. That's 508-562-4812. Unlike the New England weather, Frida's commitment to quality ingredients, innovative dishes, and great service never changes. Come on over to Frida's Fine Food and Spirits at 105 Copeland Street in West Bridgewater and enjoy a local tradition by having a lunch or dinner there. Frida's has been family-owned and operated for over 25 years thanks to loyal diners like you. Everything at Frida's is fresh and prepared there. Plan to join them at 4 p.m. for dinner, Tuesday through Sunday. Have a party or special event coming up? Let Frida's Fine Food and Spirits cater your next event. It's all at Frida's Fine Food and Spirits, where the tradition continues. Check them out on the web at fridasrestaurant.com. Stop by and say hello to Steve and the fine staff at Frida's. 105 Copeland Street in West Bridgewater, or call Frida's at 508-583-8217. That's Frida's Fine Food and Spirits. The Perfect Place Function Hall at 2039 South Main Street on the Brockton West Bridgewater line is now open after major renovations to serve all of your function hall needs. The Perfect Place Function Hall looks forward to hosting all of your special occasions. Baby showers, bridal showers, weddings, dinner parties, anniversaries, repasts, and any civic meetings. Customized packages of a full-service banquet facility are a specialty of the Perfect Place Function Hall. Accessible to public transportation, free, well-lit, and secure parking at all times. In addition to Brockton, Easton, and all of the Bridgewaters, the Perfect Place Function Hall services the entire Metro South area. Contact the Perfect Place Function Hall today for further information at 774-480-5106 or online at theperfectplace at hotmail.com. The Perfect Place Function Hall. Have your next event with us. 
the Souza Family Farm, your destination for fresh, locally grown fruits, vegetables, and flowers, is expanding from being primarily a wholesaler to serving you, the general public, located on 33 Agricultural Avenue in North Rehoboth. The folks at Souza Family Farm are now harvesting eggplants, tomatoes, peppers, all fresh from the Souza Family Farm to your table. In a few short weeks, we'll be seeing the frost on the pumpkin. Valerie, John, Anthony, and their crew are already harvesting pumpkins, Hubbard squash, butternut squash, acorn squash, and kaboka, also known as the Japanese pumpkin. At Sousa Family Farm, thousands upon thousands of mums are starting to bloom. Time to think of color for your front yards. Corn stacks and farm fresh eggs also available. Visit Valerie at the original Easton Farmer's Market on Depot Street in Easton every Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Also, visit the Sousa Family Farm online or stop by the farm at 33 Agricultural Avenue in North Rehoboth seven days a week. And we're back. This is Jack White along with my vesting. You're listening to South Shore News and Views and special guests and good friends of both Murray and myself. And, and I must warn our listeners, if you don't start calling in at 508-822-1106, Travis and I will have no choice but to entertain you with singing Marine Corps and Navy uh, songs. Oh, please call in. Yeah, so please call in. As we hit the dusty trail. And, and if they try to harmonize, honestly, I'm going to shut down the radio station all by myself. But on the other hand, Brian, you don't yes. realize that, Murray, you forgot. Travis has a great voice. He does. Oh, yeah, he's, he's got, got a good, good set of pipes yeah. too. Yes. Yeah. So be- fun. before the before the break, uh, we yes, uh, sir. We mentioned the draft. We did. And that, that can be a controversial subject. Mm-hmm. Um, any thoughts, uh, Brian or Travis, about whether we, you know, because some people say we should bring the draft back. It's not fair. To- I'm one of those. I, I think that we would have a great deal more compunction about whether we would get into an armed conflict somewhere else in the world if those. Jokers in Washington knew that their kids were subject to a draft the way we were, you know, in the 40s and 50s and 60s and so on and so forth, 70s. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with compulsory military service. There are plenty of countries around the world where that is part of what you do when you grow up. I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. Okay. Uh, you know, they called it selective service, and you need to be selective about how you apply it across the bandwidth of your population. But to me, there's absolutely nothing wrong and a lot of things that are right about the draft. So. Can I do a follow-up for that, just in something that was in the news? Let me check. Yes, you may. <laughs> Let me check. You that was a quick vote. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that had come up concerning something like this with the draft and sure. so forth, about two weeks ago, there was the news articles about current active service member who had been killed. And Donald Trump took a lot of heat. Mm-hmm. As to supposedly and allegedly how his conversation and the phone call uh, was With to the widow. The widow. Yeah. And in essence, uh, to remind people out there, to paraphrase Mr. Trump somewhat, quite loosely, uh, he essentially said uh, your husband knew what he was getting into, uh, knew what he signed up for. Mm-hmm. And as three veterans, I want to ask your opinion just on that. We'll get back to what we're talking about. But I thought there was some when you talk about the draft and what people are getting into versus, uh, you know, it, it just enlisting well, we'll, in the current day. We'll get back yeah, to that. Call. Let's hold that thought for a second, Jack. Yeah. Good afternoon, caller. You're on South Shore News and Views. Hey, guys, I just want to get, uh, give my opinion. Uh, I, I'm all support that if you want to stop us deploying our soldiers all over the world, is to start a draft. Because I'm sure... 
that Congress does not want their children drafted mm-hmm. into the military. I think they you're like absolutely right. As a volunteer military, because it's not their children and their problems at stake. I don't like to put anybody in that position. I served in the military myself, but again, it was volunteered. I did it voluntarily. My brother was drafted. Uh, I don't think it's fair that we are allowing people to have three and four tours and coming back with post-traumatic stress, coming back with all the other illnesses and not being taken care of. Uh, two quick things uh, in terms of that. First of all, thank you for the service, and not only yourself, but your brother. Um, we had the recent case of the uh, four troops or so that were killed in, uh, I believe, the country was in Niger. Niger yeah. In Niger. Yep. And I think it was an eye-opener for a lot of people, maybe even in Congress, much less the average man on the street, uh, that we were involved there. And uh, here we are in a country that people don't even realize we had troops in. And on the other hand, you have the war in Afghanistan, which has been going on for, what, 16 years. Yep. Uh, so... Uh, how many country, how many countries that we the, the American troops are in in various capabilities capacities and on various bases and it's sort of mind blowing to the average citizen. Yeah, caller, what's we've your name? Troops, we've had troops in there for over two years. Yeah, I'm sorry. What's your name, sir? Bob Newell. I'm sorry. Oh, Bob Newell. Oh, it's Bob Newell. Newell. Oh, Bob. How are you? We've, um, we've had troops over there for two years. We've had hawk, uh, black hawks there doing all kinds of stuff. We've had all kinds. Of, I know my my nephew's in this black hawk. You're so, talking about you know, in in Niger. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I and think I know that we've had we've had things there that people don't even know about. I think but again, that, yeah. there's our government. There's our government hiding something from the American people and not serving the American people right by letting us know where we are, what we're doing. And I know things need some things need to be top secret, and I understand that. But when you're standing around and you're doing what we're doing, is wrong. The people. There's no more congressmen standing up for the people's rights. Well, I understand what you're saying, but I think you yourself said that there are a lot of places where secrecy uh, is paramount, both to protect the soldiers and sailors and airmen that we have deployed in them and to protect the interest of the country. I think that what needs to happen is when something like this does get above the radar, we need to be consistent in terms of how we treat it. Yeah, I just, I just, Absolutely. I agree with I you. Could, I couldn't agree with you more on that as far as the secrecy. I know I had uh, two cousins. Uh, one was the Air Force and one was in intelligence. And one uh, spoke 14 different languages fluently and he was all over the world. And he, he was actually a spy. If you want to come down to it, he's passed now since. But um, he was in the Vietnam War. But he was actually a spy for us. And, and, he, and that's the way it is. I know that stuff happens. We all know that. Anybody yeah. has a military background knows that. But the point is that when your government is not standing up for its people and not treating equally people right, you're not you're looking at people saying, "Well, we got a volunteer service." What the president's statement was the other day is was a, I was applauded. I, I I can't believe he even said that. Well, I just have a differing view on that, and because I think if if you're going into the military as, say, a cook or a medic or a dental assistant, you're not signed up for to serve in, in, a, in a combat zone. But if you sign up for Rangers, Delta, the Green Berets, you know, MARSOC, you kind of know that you're going to be put in harm's way. You know that you're going to be in a high high likelihood uh, of a of a of getting killed, and I, and I think I, that's that's what I want to believe the context is because uh, President Trump has been so uh, concise with military. Okay, but Bob, we're going to have to let you go because you have another right, call coming. Guys, well, yeah, Bob, thanks for your call. Thank, thank, thank you, Bob. Right. Thank you. Who? 
I think we lost the call. If, if you were calling back. in, please call back. I'll write yeah. back in. I think you made a good point, Brian. There's always, you know, you hear the word, and particularly in a lot of politics now, a transparency in government and various other things. But you make the, the good point, yeah. Brian, that there's that certain balancing act between discretion in terms of things that are going yeah. on and, let's say, behind the scenes to protect mm-hmm. the troops and so forth. You don't want to disclose too much versus uh, oh. that transparency issue. Yeah, we'll get back good, to that. Good afternoon. You're on Social News and Views. Hi, this is Brian McElhenney calling from Teamsters Local 653. Hi, Brian. First of all, thank you for calling in. I'm Jack White to host the show along with uh, Murray Vesting, my co-host, is sitting here. And also, uh, Travis Poddington is sitting across uh, the desk from me, Marine Corps veteran. Murray is a Navy veteran and good friend of yours, apparently, Brian Hoffman, Navy veteran. He's here live in the studio. And you're on the air right now. Brian, thank, thank you, you very much for calling in. I had asked uh, Christina Bernius on your staff, and by the way, Jack, there's somebody who deserves an awful lot of credit. She does a superb job for the Teamsters Local 653. But I had asked her to have you call in for two reasons. Number one, I wanted to let everybody you know, in the listening audience know how consistently and how strongly Teamsters Local 653 has supported Veterans Day at the Children's Museum in Easton and supported veterans overall. And I wanted you to have a chance to talk to the listeners about why, what's so important about veterans. And I know you do work with Toys for Troops and a lot of other initiatives. What is it makes the difference for Teamsters and why you guys are so closely aligned with veterans and veteran services? Well, we have a lot of members that are veterans, and all. You know, this is a uh, charity that touches home for everybody. I think at, at this point, I think everybody has a family member or a neighbor that's uh, either been deployed or has been affected by uh, the wars, uh, recent wars. Uh, a lot of us uh, can remember all the veterans and uh, uh, have parents and family members from Vietnam and from Korea. But uh, most of our members today have. Uh, members uh, in their family from uh, Desert Storm and from the current wars. So we decided uh, as a local uh, that's based out of Easton and Bro- the Brockton area that uh, with the VA hospital right in Brockton and a unit based right on West Chestnut Street in Brockton that um, it would be a, a charity, charity that we could really jump into and some great people that work in both of those facilities. So we've gotten together with them and uh, we've really, uh, our members have really taken hold of it and the community has too. So it's been a great uh, partnership for us. Yeah, that's terrific. How large is uh, your your local, Brian? Our local has uh, about 2,300 members right now. And uh, we're a general chartered local so in the Teamsters, so we are not just uh, trucking and warehousing as the traditional people uh, think of Teamsters. We have uh, bakery workers and warehouse workers, and uh, we have librarians now. We have uh, all kinds of workers, uh, the public sector, Brockton School custodians, uh, and we just uh, have the Uno Foods workers in Brockton. And we have uh, all the traditional workers as well, UPS, Frito-Lay, all yep. the beer and liquor distributors. Yep. Um, so we are a general charter, so we can represent just about anybody and do. And one of the things that I know about Local 653 from having been associated with you is that a lot of those Teamsters, a lot of your members, get involved in volunteering in the community, do more than Absolutely. just drive a truck or bake goods or handle you know, logistics or sort mail. You want to talk about that for a second in terms of the breadth of what Teamsters do and how they're woven into the fabric of communities? Sure. Uh, almost uh, every one of our contracts, uh, we have uh, 
over 40 uh, companies under contract, and they each have their own charity as well. And our members uh, get involved with uh, United Way. They get involved with local food banks. Uh, they get involved right now a lot of the opioid epidemic uh, issues in all the communities. And uh, as our membership comes to us with the local issues, uh, we try to uh, get involved and get our activists involved in each one of those issues. So um, they get involved not only through us, but also through the companies that they work for. And um, they bring those issues to us, and uh, we try to choose different charities that we can get involved in as well. So we're involved in a, a multiple uh, charities. This is our, our main charity that we uh, are doing right now with the veterans, but our members get involved in all kinds of charities around the Wingwood area. Uh, this is Travis. I have a question for you, sir, and thank you for your support of yep. veterans. Let's just say that I'm a veteran, just moved to this area, and I, I want to try to get on with your union. How would I go about doing that? What, what's, what options are available to me? Um, because I tell people all the time that this is a state that supports its veterans. So the, the Teamsters in this area, uh, we have uh, CDL training uh, through Local 25's driving school and also uh, Local 251 in Rhode Island has uh, CDL training and uh, warehouse training for veterans. There's a large uh, national organization through Teamsters, that's the Helmets to Hot Hats program, that has uh, ABF members from all over the country. Uh, ABF, uh, which is in West Bridgewater, sponsored uh, a plan where they train the um, military employee uh, personnel to be employees while they're still uh, on the bases and actually go to the bases and train them. And then they send them out to the different uh, uh, facilities in the country. We have four uh, veterans right now working at ABF in West Bridgewater that came out of that program. Uh, Local 25 in Boston, who we partner with in the training a lot because they have 12,000 members in the city, and it's a lot easier to partner with them. Uh, they have a, a big program where they we work with them to place veterans and to train veterans for all of our different uh, companies that we represent. So what they would have to do is just contact the local and uh, get in touch with us, and we can contact them with whoever uh, whatever kind of training they want. Uh, we have, as you said, we represent people in construction. Uh, we represent people in transportation. So a lot of those... Uh, companies fit right into the training that some of these military personnel have had in some of the units uh, overseas. Well, that's just, just amazing because, you know, if you're a truck driver in the military driving a seven-ton, does that really transfer? And it sounds like, he could, you know, that, that Marine, that, that Army guy could get a, at least a, a shot versus going in alone. Uh, Brian, right. it- yes, because we, we represent, uh, you know, we have quarry workers, we have uh, we represent aggregate industries, we represent Boston Sand. So there's a lot of different kind of work that uh, matches up to what they've done in some of those transportation units, which is a lot of the units around uh, this general area. So, uh, you know, and also with some of the um, transportation units in the uh, military and some of the construction units in the military, some of those people have some special training that, quite frankly, really does transfer into uh, what our units uh, here are doing in some of our companies. Uh, Brian, this is Jack White. One of the things that uh, I had mentioned recently on this show that had come to mind was the old public service message that used to run. And it it was very short, but right to the point. It was, your best bet, hire a vet. And that was, was, what was true 
20 years ago, 30 years ago, when I think of those commercials who were first running or the public service measures, is very true today, uh, that employers should remember that even today when they're looking for good, qualified individuals who have that worth at work ethic and, as Travis was just saying, may have the background of running heavy equipment, running heavy machinery, uh, large uh, transport, uh, transporters and flatbeds and things like that in the military and uh, being a mechanic on, a, on a, 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 an Iroquois or a Huey or a, sure. whatever the case may be. Uh, uh, and, and there was just a recent story about a great shortage here in the United States uh, for diesel mechanics at auto dealerships, and they just can't get the, the people who qualified. And there's a number of people who have done diesel training and, and uh, in the military. So once again, the best bet is to hire a vet. Yeah. That's right. And uh, in the New England region, just, uh, the uh, helicopters, uh, all of the Blackhawk helicopters and a lot of the military helicopters, the presidential helicopters, are all built by Teamsters at the uh, Sikorsky mm-hmm. Helicopter in uh, Connecticut. So uh, we've placed some people down there, too, that come out of uh, military units that have had some specialties there. Too, so. It's always good things to hear good news about uh, unions. People sort of think oh, their time has come and gone. I was a union member for roughly 35 years, and uh, I'm still well in favor of unions. Brian, I wanted to ask you, um, you do so many different charities. Is Toys for Troops the one that's sort of your lead charity as far as uh, the vets go? It is. Uh, we, uh, we're looking for a charity uh, that was local. Uh, because, you know, we have a, a growing membership, but, you know, it's difficult to make a huge impact with a, a 2,300-member uh, group. So we uh, partnered up with uh, the local uh, unions in the area, and we do this Toys for Troops drive. We've been doing it for 10 years. Uh, and it's been a, a great success. We have an event over at the Shaw Center in Brockton and any of the uh, military uh, units that are transferred back at the time. Uh, a lot of uh, families will come by and we get to meet them and got to meet a lot of nice uh, families over the years and we give them, uh, you know, whatever they need. We don't, it's not just a matter of, you know, the child getting one toy. We supply them with uh, all of their needs for Christmas. We give them a whole uh, bag of toys, depending on how many children they have. So we give them for all the children, get gift cards for the older kids. We have a nice event that day. We have dinner. Uh, we get the kids get to see Santa Claus and it gives uh, a lot of the families uh, a chance to have uh, to, to know that people are thinking of them and there's a lot of grandparents that are there and uh, one thing that we've learned over the past few years that a lot of these children are missing their mothers not their fathers and uh, so their mothers are deployed and a lot of people don't think of that and so these uh, you know some of these fathers come in and they have three or four children and their mothers are overseas and it just gives them a good feeling and makes them know that everybody's thinking about them and we haven't forgotten and we also have done uh, in the past we've done uh, cell phones for soldiers we've done uh, iPads for soldiers so we donated quite a bit uh, to that as well and um, this is just something that's continued for us now and if people are interested in this toys for troops and helping you out or participating uh, how would they get more information on that Brian is there a website or the easiest way would be to um, go on our website or call the just call the union hall we could get posters uh, or information sent to them if they want to participate Uh, a lot of our employers and have now taken on as their charity uh, the uh, city of Brockton uh, in the school system is helping us out now because we have the custodians and they've taken it on. And the town of West Bridgewater has just taken it on for us. So it's really growing. Yeah. And uh, So I know there's a lot more drop-off points now, Brian, than there were a few years ago. <laughs> there certainly is, yeah. So we have uh, at each one of our locations and at the Union Hall as well. So you can just drop by the Union Hall or drop by your location and, and uh, drop it in a box. But every one of our 
uh, companies we have under contract also has a box, and we'll go around and collect those the Friday before. Or if somebody would like to, uh, if they would like to see the event and like to see how these um, uh, toys are given out, and if they, you know, would like to, we like the people to come to the event so they can bring it back to their friends and tell everybody what a wonderful event it is. Because I think firsthand is always the best way to see these things. They could just stop by the Shaw Center the day of the event and um, come in themselves, drop off the toys, say hi, and meet some of these families and uh, take that back to the community and let everybody know what a great job everybody's doing and how wonderful these families are. I think a big part about that, uh, when it comes to a lot of different charities, it used to be uh, an ecology commercial or something like that, environmental commercial, right. and they use this slogan, think globally, but act locally. Mm-hmm. And That's acting right. locally is very true on a lot of charities. And this is an example. Right. You might be helping uh, a military family that you didn't even realize might be living literally on your street. You know, you just might That's not right. see that uh, soldier uh, sailor or male or female in uniform but uh, that's where they're living and when they're deployed elsewhere in the world their family may be benefited by uh, whether it's the, the toys for the kids or you mentioned uh, uh, potentially access to maybe getting a new iPad or cell phone to, get, to stay in touch with their loved mm-hmm. one overseas. Yeah, we're talking to Brian McElhenney from the uh, leadership team at uh, Teamsters Local 653. And again, if you are a, a Teamster, the parent of a Teamster, the grandfather or grandmother of a Teamster, uh, give us a call. We have a set of passes here in the name of the Teamsters that we'd love to give you for the Children's Museum in Easton. The, uh, the team has become uh, one of our most steadfast supporters and community partners. And it is great to have a chance for Brian to let our listeners know just how much the Teamsters participate in the fabric of their communities in the greater Brockton area. Brian, can you give us a website or an address or some sort of, uh, you know, if people are interested, I think a lot of our listeners would be interested in making donations. Sure. Our... um our Union Hall is in Eastern Industrial Park at 4 uh, Hamden Drive, and we'll have a box there. If somebody would like to donate, there's uh, always somebody there. They'll take their donation. Or if they would like uh, more information, we'll put it on our website, which is uh, www.teamsterslocal653.org, and uh, they can check and see uh, whatever information they'd like on there. Uh, in addition to the toys this year, uh, the women's committees in New England are also uh, collecting uh, non-perishables and toiletries for the deployed soldiers, and nice. uh, so those posters are there along along with that. So that all of the whole uh, New England region is doing that. Uh, we usually get a very uh, big turnout for that too. So those those will be going those uh, units. Uh, I don't know if they're going to adopt a unit or if they're just going to send them out to the local units. We'll be uh, getting all that stuff hopefully before Christmas. They're going to send it out the same weekend of the toy drive. And, and for so, people who don't know where the industrial park is, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, O'Brien, uh, essentially uh, the main entrance is right across from uh, opposite Stonehill College. Yes, it is, right on Belmont Street, it's Route 123. Exactly so, right, yep. yeah. They came in off of Belmont Street on the, across from Stonehill College. You just drive straight ahead and we're down on the left-hand side. That's, nice. that's, yeah. That is Hampton Drive. Yeah, well, once again, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to hear from you and to uh, let our listeners know uh, all of the good things that uh, the Teamsters do. We're, we treasure that partnership. So thanks very much for making this a part of your day and helping us make it a part of every listener's day. You're welcome, and thank you guys for helping us. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Brian McElhaney of, for the uh, Teamsters Local 653.
We use the phrase at times, you know, thank you for your service of veterans, which is very appropriate. And uh, I, I was not in the, the service, but I've I'm, I'm always been a big one to yeah. the point where my wife will turn around yeah. and look at me like, I'll, I'll see a gentleman walking by and they have the veterans hat on and stuff. And I'll say, thank you for your service. And uh, you, you always get that look of you know, appreciation, I think, or the wink or whatever the case may be from the veteran. I so. But I think this is also an example of thank you for your service to the Teams uh, Union mm. uh, local for doing something like this. It's because amazing how much charity work they do. I can't they do get over it. They are yeah. absolutely incredible. Yeah. You know, sometimes things start up and and people don't realize the ramifications. Sure. And sometimes it's it's the look. Like I said, sometimes you say thank you for your service to yeah. a veteran going by, and sometimes they might not say anything, but it's just the look. Yeah. And the same thing is true when you're doing things for kids. Yeah. And the thing that I found very interesting as we've gotten involved with the teamsters over the last four or five years is how broadly. They map out. They're not, as Brian said, they're not just drivers and transportation mm-hmm. people. They are in so many different areas that touch so many different people. Um, and and every one of those areas, you know, whether they are working in a bakery or working in a laboratory or, you know, in a school system, uh, those people as active union members get involved in their community and become a part of this much, much larger thing that does stuff that's really, really important for veterans. I, and I was surprised, Brian, when, when, when the other Brian was talking about uh, how librarians yep. can be in the Teamsters. Yep. Can you imagine them on strike? <laughs> that would be a very quiet strike. They would not be yelling. Bada bing. Very, very well, well played. Very <laughs> well played. Though. That was the best line of the day, I think. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. I think the one thing that uh, struck me is I, I grew up in a right-to-work state, so... Yep. We got all the horror stories about unions. My father was a union coal miner, and that didn't end very well. But uh, with all the negative connotations outside of this region about unions, mm. uh, I was just dumbstruck of how involved they are with not only the community, but also if, if you are a vet coming out of the service and you're looking for an opportunity, there there could very well be one for Absolutely you. Absolutely, they're good. Yeah. Yeah. Right, particularly nowadays when we have unions that are reaching out, maybe more so than in early years, and you gentlemen may know better than I do in terms of things like that, uh, where certain unions, as opposed to things that you might have to take a test to be a firefighter or a police officer, yeah. a postal service or something like that, so certain civil service jobs, mm-hmm. uh, that and uh, you still see the unions in a number of the civil service jobs in particular. Sure, uh, sure. But in terms of the private industry, I think of that potentially reaching out, as sure. we were saying earlier, uh, your best bet, hire a vet, because a certain amount of discipline uh, and yeah. uh, paying attention and attention to detail and performing the jobs and stuff and, yep. and working, as I say, sounds like the kids and kids, working together with others, you know, yeah. but it is very true. Absolutely, it's true, and I'm glad Travis brought that up with him in terms of where the entry points are, mm-hmm. what can a returning veteran do uh, in partnership with whether it's the Teamsters Union or any other, you know, sure. uh, active uh, union body, uh, you know, what can a returning veteran do to help, you know, increase their chances of getting employment that maybe will leverage their skills from the military, and if not, will at least leverage their service such that they get a shot at it. Right. And that's all any veteran is asking for. Give me a shot. That's you know, right. you know, let me participate and compete with everybody else. You so. know, Jack, Jack mentioned th- how people say thank you for your service. I got to tell you, when I got off active duty in 1976, nobody was thanking no, me for my service. You're absolutely and right. With me, it didn't matter because I, I didn't. I 
I wasn't in Vietnam. And yeah. I was in during Vietnam, but mm-hmm. not in Vietnam. But I felt very bad for uh, veterans who had come back from combat mm-hmm. roles who uh, were, you know, disrespected yeah. by the general public. Uh, it was a mistake. Yeah, well, let me tell you, I came back from my first tour in 1966 to California, and that was a hotbed of anti-war, oh, yeah. you well, know. Uh, so you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah. you, 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 were, you, you weren't welcomed yeah. with open arms. Yeah, I mean, no matter what, uh, what you think of the Vietnam War or what you think of what happened in Niger or mm-hmm. in Afghanistan or anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the way I look at it is any veteran uh, deserves credit for, yeah. for doing his, his or her job. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and in particular, well now, as you, we may go back talking about the draft a little bit after the uh, news break. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, one of the things, you know, the last... Well, I guess is it now? Roughly 40 years? Sure. There, there hasn't been a draft, so people are going in by choice. So mm-hmm. when you talk about thank you for your service, right. uh, it's, I think there's it's even a different level of recognition nowadays and appreciation. Mm-hmm. And and Murray, had I known you in 76, I would have said thank you oh. for your service then. <laughs> well, better late than never. Thank you, Jack. <laughs> We're going to take a little news break, so stay tuned. We'll be back in just a few. You are listening to the voice of Southeastern Massachusetts, AM 1530, WVBF, Middleborough, Taunton. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. Democrats are celebrating victories on election Tuesday yesterday, including in the governor's race in Virginia, where the victor says... We have witnessed yet another Democratic sweep today. In Virginia, the Democratic Lieutenant Governor Ralph Northam cruised to a victory over the former Republican National Chairman Ed Gillespie. U.S. Senate Minority Whip Dick Durbin says it's a pretty big deal. If Gillespie had prevailed with his message, which uh, really was a negative message talking about illegal immigrants restoring and saving Confederate statutes. Where would we be this morning? Given the polls before the Tuesday voting, it was not a surprise that in New Jersey, the Democrat Phil Murphy ran away with the governor's race from Republican Lieutenant Governor Kim Guandano. Dems also winning several big city mayoral races, including in New York, where Bill de Blasio wins re-election by a landslide. This is USA Radio News. Hi, it's Angie Austin. I have to tell you about something that really has changed my life. I was bound and determined to lose weight, get rid of my sleep apnea, and get better sleep because so many health problems are linked to poor sleep. Well, I tried my pillow and I was very skeptical at first. I'm like, oh, a pillow can't really change my sleep life. It did. Normally, I wake up several times a night. The first night I tried my pillow, I didn't wake up a single time. So this pillow is life-changing for me. I love this thing. My pillow is so sure you'll be satisfied. They're offering a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com, MyPillow.com, and you can get a deal. You get 50% off two MyPillow premium pillows and two Go Anywhere pillows. That's four pillows. My kids use the Go Anywhere pillows. That's four pillows. Call 1-800-951-8175, 800-951-8175, and use promo code USA. Vice President Mike Pence and his wife today will be visiting Sutherland Springs, Texas, where 26 people were gunned down in a church on Sunday. 20 other people were hurt. The uncle of the South Texas church shooter says he tried to communicate with him on social media hours before the attack. He posted on Facebook that he wasn't thinking correct and his head hurt. So I private messaged him and I said, hey, Devin, what's up? Are you okay, bud? Here, have a shot of whiskey or something, man. Life is good. I didn't get any response from him and then this happened. 
Wisconsin. His uncle Dave Ivey speaking there to Northwest Digital News, calling his nephew Kelly a coward. President Trump is in China now as his Asia trip continues, his visit resulting in $9 billion worth of business deals being finalized between the U.S. and China. Nineteen such agreements were inked at a ceremony in Beijing, attended by Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross. The details of the deals have not been made immediately available. And you're listening to USA Radio News. Colonel Sanders from KFC here to talk about the good old days. Well, the good old days are still here in chicken form, specifically in KFC's original recipe fried chicken with 11 herbs and spices. Our delicious chicken is still hand-breaded and pressure-fried just like it was then. Get your fill with two pieces of my original recipe in a $5 fill-up with mashed potatoes, a biscuit, a cookie, and a drink at a KFC near you. KFC, it's still finger-licking good. At participating KFCs, prices may vary. Tax extra. Looks like some big trouble in China for UCLA basketball after three members of that team were reportedly arrested in China yesterday on suspicion of shoplifting. One of the players is Leangelo Ball, younger brother of former Bruin and current Laker Lonzo Ball. Cody Riley and Jalen Hill also detained. All three of them are UCLA freshmen. Los Angeles police are now looking into sex abuse claims that have been made for years by actor Corey Feldman. Jason Campadonia has the latest. The 1980s movie star has long pledged to bring down what he calls a pedophile ring in Hollywood. Feldman filed a report with the LAPD this week and on Tuesday, officials confirmed they have launched an investigation. The 46-year-old actor has yet to name the powerful industry heavyweights he claims have preyed on young actors, including himself and his best buddy, the late child actor star Corey Haim. Legal experts say the fact that Feldman is trying to make a documentary about the alleged abuse isn't helping his case. A new initiative between NASA and Uber aiming to get commuters off the ground as Uber has signed a deal with NASA for its flying car project called Uber Elevate. The ride-sharing service wants to make vertical takeoff and landing vehicles that would fly at a very low altitude, while NASA is working to develop traffic management for the low-altitude vehicles. And late word, the Terminal 4 at Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport in Arizona has been shut down and evacuated, but we're not sure why. For USA Radio News, I'm Chris Barnes. back. This is Jack White with South Shore News and Views, along with my co-host, Marie Vatstein, and our special guest, and it's always a pleasure seeing you two gentlemen, Brian Hoffman and Travis Pottington. And I, cool. I feel like I'm outnumbered three veterans to zero here on my part. But, Whenever uh, I hear that name, Travis Pottington, I always want to say, like, Travis Pottington III. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like an author yeah. or, well, you know. there, There's more than one. Oh, are you serious? That's yeah. kind of scary right there. Yeah, that is, that. <laughs> so uh, you, you're not the third or the fourth? Not third, but there, there are more than just one Travis Pottington. So. I felt so jilted, like, wait a minute, can, I should be the only one. We I can we guarantee you there is only one Murray Vetstein. I can guarantee you. <laughs> you that. haven't run into another one? No, 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 not on this planet. No. <laughs> now, Brian Hoffman and Jack White. Well, sure can, in fact, Jack White, as we know, famous guitar player. Famous guitar player, yeah. but it's just my given name is John uh, F. White, and one of my closest friends, yes. literally, for the, almost 50 years now, is another John F. White. Is that right? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. We, we met in college, 
and uh, that was almost 50 years ago. And he and his wife and my wife and I were all very close friends. Lo and behold, these 50 years later. It's always interesting. We go someplace and we get introduced to people for the first time. And And if either of you has a middle name different from Francis, I'm going to pay him a buck. Uh, (laughs) Is it it Francis? Yeah, that is correct, sir. Spell with the I the correct way. (laughs) Well, the E is for women. That is correct. And people would realize that. You put on a spelling test and people just don't realize that. I thought Brian had psychic abilities or something. No, just just a good Irish cat. Catholic guess. Okay. <laughs> when, when I was working the polls yesterday, and a mom came in with a little boy that was uh, almost four, and I was saying, oh, he must be almost four, and he, I guess it right on, on, right on the line, so to speak, and what was his name was Jack, and we got talking about the fact that my given name is John, most people know me as Jack, mm-hmm. uh, but the reality is, back in the day, there was no one named Jack. It was always a nickname. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you have Jack as a given name. You also get Jackson as a given name. Oh, yeah. yeah but uh, yeah. times... Like many things, time changes, time marches on. Yes, and then people want to get cute. It's Jack, but it's J-A-C. Oh, I guess oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, yeah. J-A-C. Uh, oh, it's, oh, yeah. What's your name? Jack. Oh, it's Jacques. 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 <laughs> oh, the French name. <laughs> you need a Q-U-E-S there yeah. if you're going to do that. But, yeah, I've seen J-A-C. J-A-C. You know, it's, it's, it's cute. I, it's different. I, my suggestion is to anybody, if you're going to name a child any name, yes. always think about the fact, well, that child, for the next 80 years of their life, have to spell it out to the 1-800 number or to the school teacher right. or to the police officer where they get pulled over, whatever the case may be. And I, I suggest right. give your child, no matter yes. what name you give them, give them a logical spelling. Yeah. Right. And, and right. the biggest thing is they also have to stand up for it in the sandbox when, <laughs> when they're in kindergarten yeah. and the other kids are making fun of it. Well, Trevor, his name is his oldest son is named Semper Fi, Pardon something me. like that. Yeah. Isn't that true? Well, they're all all my all my children are named uh, T. They start with T. Now, what was your reasoning for that? Is because a- uh, all my siblings and I were named T T C. Oh, okay. All of our initials are T C P. I'm I'm the oldest of nine. Oh my goodness! Oh, really? Really? Yeah, wow. I'm the second oldest of nine. So <laughs> wow! Wow! Gee, that's interesting. The oldest kind of stink. It, it really. Well, I was the second oldest, so second I could always oldest, blame yeah. everything up or down. Yes. Nine kids in the family for wow. both of you. Wow. That's eight, amazing. eight boys and one girl. Uh, we me. have to ask you the one basic question for both of you. Yeah. We'll ask Travis first. When you were growing up, how many bathrooms in the house? One. Okay. Are you serious? One? One until we got to Louisiana, and then we had two, and uh, it got very interesting. You got very efficient. Yeah. Brian? Yes. Yes. One until I was in the eighth grade, and then we moved to a, a home in uh, in Worcester uh, that had two. No, no, I'm sorry. That was that was that wasn't Worcester. It was Connecticut. In Connecticut, we had two bathrooms, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's because my dad put the second half bath in an old colonial house. So would you have house. to wait in line to to use the. Yeah, and as I mentioned, so eight boys and one girl, and everybody goes, oh, the poor girl. (laughs) Baloney. She had had her own bedroom, no hand-me-downs, and first crack at the bathroom, because my mother would go, oh, your sister needs a bathroom first. (laughs) Right, Mom. That's amazing. So, yeah. That's amazing. And and they're all still with us. That's right. And they're all still reasonably sane. <laughs> Present come be accepted. I was, was going to add that if you did, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, if you're just tuning in, we have uh, two very special guests with us today Brian Hoffman, who's normally here representing the Children's Museum, uh, and Travis Partington uh, from Oscar Mike Radio, among other things. Both uh, United States military veterans. Uh, and uh, we're here talking about Veterans Day, which, of course, is this Saturday, November 11th. Although a lot of people are uh, off Friday in recognition of uh, the Saturday holiday. Yeah. 
And uh, we talked a lot in the first hour about everything veteran-related. We welcome your phone calls at 508-822-1106. If you're a veteran, if you're married to a veteran, if you want to ask any questions about uh, military service, any comments, good, bad, or indifferent, please call 508-822-1106. Uh, Brian, you have some tickets to give away. I do. So if you're calling in at 508-822-1106 and you are either a veteran of any service at any point in time or a member of the Teamsters Local 653 or any of the Teamsters Locals, we have uh, packets of uh, free passes, free tickets to the Children's Museum in Easton. Uh, eligible for you to use uh, for a party of four any time, any day that we are open. Uh, but if you want to come in on Saturday on Veterans Day, we've got some very fun activities for the children and families. It's obviously a red, white, and blue day for us, so there'll be a lot of patriotic crafts. The kids will be making patriotic hats that will either look like military hats or they'll look like whatever that child wants his hat or her hat to look when like. When you say a patriotic hat, it says, Make America Great. No, that's not what we mean. We're <laughs> Talking about New, something that uh, does it say New England Patriots, uh, no. Boston Patriots. I can always <laughs> count on you guys to take something and just turn it, turn it a little. No, but so they'll be doing patriotic crafts, and the group project is the children and their families will be making an American flag, which will then be hung in oh, the Children's nice. Museum for a, a good part of the future. Uh, lots of red, white, and blue materials, lots of red, white, and blue activities, and the hats and banners that they'll be making, we will start making them ahead of the Easton Veterans Parade, which will pass right around the corner. So kids come there, make their stuff, walk around the corner, stand on Main Street, watch the parade go through, come back. It's a it's a really fun day for us. And nice. again, we had Brian McElhinney on from uh, Teamsters Local 653. The this is the fourth year in a row that they have sponsored our Veterans Day activities, and we are incredibly thrilled to have them nice. as a business partner. So that's what's going on at the Children's Museum coming up on Saturday. Yeah. Great. Now, when I walked outside today, I might have mentioned to you guys, I said, this is the first day when I walked outside and I just had a T-shirt on. I said, it's really cold out. It, it is chilly cold. Out there, yeah. It was very noticeable. Yeah. Children's Museum, great place to go. One of these cold autumn days, Absolutely. indoors, lots of activities going on. You don't, and you can call. You don't have to have uh, nine kids in your family like two no, individuals. You don't. No, you and, don't. Yeah. <laughs> but for a lot of people, they might think, oh, wait a minute, hold on a second. I, my kids are growing up, but I got some grandchildren. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, sure and uh, no. whatever, and they might be, they might not even live in the area. They might be coming to visit, or maybe it's yeah. like they come over and they're spending a weekend with grandma or uh, uh, pops or whatever the case may be, yeah. and uh, some place that you you can take them to, to that's local, close by, free parking, as they say, <laughs> yep. and yeah, you don't have to go all the way into Boston or down to Providence or wherever the place mm-hmm. may be, yeah. you know. So it can be an eye opener uh, to someone who hasn't been there before. A great place to return to because it might. Some of these people might say, hey, I haven't been there for a long time. I used to take my kids. Now it's time to take the grandchildren. Right. And the other thing that I do want to add, and Mary and I were talking about this uh, during the break, uh, we are a Blue Star Museum. So we participate in the Blue Star Program, which is a nationwide program that honors veterans and uh, active military. And the Blue Star Program uh, literally entitles free uh, entry to museums and to cultural venues across the country for active duty military. Uh, We have that. That in effect, year-round, it is usually something that runs from Memorial Day to uh, Labor Day in most museums and, uh, and and cultural outlets. But we do it year-round at the Children's Museum. So if you are active duty military, you and your family are welcome as our guests nice. every nice. day of the year. And on Memorial Day, we extend that to veterans of any length of service. So on Veterans Day, 
active military or veterans and their families welcome to come join us for very free. nice yeah now travis you've got a, a really fancy motorcycle are you going to be uh driving around on and if a parade um, or some some sort yeah i think the marine corps league uh detachment 1115 metro south out of uh easton i think we're riding in the brockton parade okay so if uh, that still holds true and the, we don't get rained on we will be riding yeah you might get snowed on i think it's gonna be very cold isn't it so, well i'm gonna i'm gonna bundle up and yeah. uh <laughs> you know enjoy it it was it was a great time last year uh to, to one go with the, the league to do it but also to see all the the families and the kids out there yeah. you know waving and, and uh i would definitely can't wait to do it again Sounds like fun. One thing I've never seen in a parade. <laughs> I just tossed that idea out to you. We've all seen parades in the past of, like, horses pulling a wagon and things like this mm-hmm. and, and various other things. I've never seen a parade where we have a couple motorcycles pulling a float. I, that, that, would, that would be interesting. That would be don't, don't interesting. Get, don't give them ideas. Uh, yeah. I might be giving you an idea. Who knows? You could, you could be a trendsetter. That's get a right. one of those three-wheelers and hook them up to yeah. a yeah. I'm yeah. Not sure. I don't think you could do it with a two-wheeler. That yeah, might be a little... Uh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's that would be very good. I'll have to go to the Brockton Parade this Saturday and check it out. If I can get Travis on a three wheeler, uh, willing to pull me on a float, I might volunteer for the float. <laughs> I would trust him. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a first mistake. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm joking. Yeah. I'm joking. So you notice how I bowed out of that part. Of that <laughs> So while we're waiting for, uh, we have a, a, a guest calling us at one thirty. Uh, Tim Montjoy from Operation Teammate. Team Operation me? Teammate, yes. Operation Teammate. So he'll be calling in at one thirty. But I wanted, there's one topic that we didn't have a chance to talk about uh, in the first hour that I think, even though it's a little bit of a downer, it's a very important topic, which is PTSD. And you see so many veterans now that are being diagnosed with PTSD and, uh, you know, coming back from Afghanistan or Iran or Iraq, rather. Uh, you know, is this something that's, that's new? Is this something that, that, that we're, we've got a good handle on, that the VA's doing a good job uh, with? Any comments, thoughts? Well, first of all, it's not new. You can go back to, you know, veterans of World War I. Uh, back then they called it combat fatigue. Uh, But it's the exact same demonstration of symptoms and impact from traumatic stress. Uh, And and we were talking off the air, too. While this is something that you see significantly in populations like military, public safety, police, fire, that type of thing, you'll see traumatic stress episodes in so many other walks of life. It's it's not funny. I I was telling you about an article I read a number of uh, years back. Uh, for a, a surgical nurse, an OR nurse who worked in a neurosurgical uh, team, and the stress of being involved in opening up people's, you know, head and operating on brains, uh, even though she and her team knew exactly what they were doing, the traumatic stress lives long after that patient has closed up and gone back to their room. So this stuff crops up all over the place, and um, yeah, I don't want to go into lots of detail and stuff, but when I came back from my first tour. Uh, in Vietnam, you know, I was uh, I was one of those folks. I was uh, living off base, you know, at the Naval Hospital in San Diego, living on popcorn and beer and literally reluctant to go outside of the apartment sure. other than when I had to be at the base. And thankfully, you know, somebody got me involved with some good caregivers. Uh, we didn't call it PTSD back then. Sure. We just knew that, you know, 
this is not the kind of behavior anybody wants to see. And, uh, you know, as I as I jokingly said, that was, you know, a long time ago in another galaxy. But it continues today. I know Travis probably has, you know, friends, uh, uh, you know, uh, service members that he served with. Uh, so do I, you know, who have felt the impact of that and still do. So it's a sure. it's a serious issue. There's a lot of new therapeutic initiatives that are coming out that they're finding are very helpful for this. Such, but it's such not as... something that's going to go away. We have an incredibly huge population. And one of the other things that we have, we saw it from World War One to World War Two, from World War Two to Korea, Korea to Vietnam, and Vietnam now to the Desert Wars, that there are more people coming back than there ever were before. Mm-hmm. Our capability to triage and remove wounded and impaired from an active theater to someplace where they get care is better and better and better, whether it's airlifts, you know, who cares what it is. We're bringing a larger population with more of these issues back every single day. And, you know, the caregivers that are there, whether at the VA, whether they're in private medical practices, you know, they do a phenomenal job, but there's always going to be more to be done. So there's two things that I just want to touch on is when I was, when I went in in 95, there was a lot of Gulf War uh, veterans I served with who had Gulf War syndrome. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you think, uh, but they're just now starting to admit that all the burn pits and the chemicals our service members breathe in contribute to TB, TBI, traumatic brain injury, or PTSD-like symptoms. So they're finally getting you know, bandwidth there to address that. The second thing is, uh, a couple of years ago, you'll remember, 22 veterans a day commit suicide. That's that's a real number. Mm-hmm. In 2010 and 2012, that was a real number. I think it's dipped down to like 18, 19 right now. It's still too too much. But what is what is happening is that I'm very happy about uh, about the alternative therapies is. There's a lot more emphasis on trying things like acupuncture. I talked to a lady in Abington, Janet Woods, about her Reiki practice to help veterans, uh, so on and so forth. There's a lot of alternative therapies. So, um, you know, what I'm trying to say is, is if we can get that veteran to the right service provider, there is help there more now than ever before. And, and there's a real desire from the populace, from civilians to make sure we take care of our veterans. But I would tell everybody listening right now that you have to make sure you take the first step. And it's hard for us to do. So. All I'm going to ask is that if you're feeling like you're not going to be able to continue on in life, to reach out to your veteran service officer, another Marine, another Marine, another soldier, sailor, Marine, whoever it is, and get help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Question for both of you or for any of you uh, in terms of the PTSD. Uh, would a big part of it be due to the fact that you were mentioning, Travis, about one, uh, someone that is going to the service and maybe their specialty is being a clerk or a supply clerk or something like that, and maybe behind the lines, behind the scenes, as opposed to someone ranges and Delta Force and various other things, that uh, that potential to step on an IED or have someone shooting at them down mm-hmm. in their deployment is always in mind even before maybe they ship overseas, and that is a big factor in things, even if that had never happened. So one of the guys I talked to in the last two years, uh, off and on, was in Afghanistan. And one of the things, he, he was not a frontline trip. He was not infantry. He was not like a mortarman or machine gunner. But in Afghanistan, there was a real problem with uh, young boys being um, taken advantage of by Afghani warlords or other Afghani men. And it really had an effect on him. 
because these kids would be taken by these guys and used and tossed away. And they were told, you can't do anything about this. This is part of their custom culture. Sorry, ignore it. And he never got over that. And at the time, there was the Army didn't figure out that this is what the problem was with this, these units going out there and doing this. So by the time they actually started trying to address it, he was gone. And wound up, didn't he wound up committing suicide because he just couldn't deal with it anymore. So it doesn't have to be a frontline combat MOS, but there are certain things you see overseas that you're not going to see here or in Iowa or in, you know, Idaho. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing, too, and uh, it, it's still true today. I mean, they may call it the green zone. Back then we called it i but there are areas in theater that are supposed to be safer than others, and that might be where that cook or that mail handler or that yeoman or personnelman is stationed. Uh, but there's absolutely no guarantee that they're not going to have a mortar round come in or, you know, a, a, a shoulder-fired rocket-propelled grenade or something else that's going to land in there at the most inopportune moment. So there, there literally is no safe place. And unfortunately, now we're seeing, and I don't want to get into this, uh, but we're seeing with all of this you know, rash of, of uh, gun violence incidents across the country, you don't even have to be in the military mm-hmm. to have that mm-hmm. anticipation of of stress, which is a you know the precursor to you know, the kind of stuff that, that we've been talking about. So the, the church shooting the other day, small town USA in Texas, mm-hmm. the population of the town is uh, mm-hmm. roughly six hundred, and I think uh, the uh, death toll was roughly four percent of the town. Sure, and guess what? The rest of the folks who were in that church who are survivors mm-hmm. are just as likely to face the same kind of issues as that guy in Afghanistan or that sure. guy in sure. Quangtree, you know, or and, any place else that we've had that. And even along with the fact you mentioned the big deal people were in the church, probably everybody in that town, because sure. it literally, if in a town of 600, and mm-hmm. there's probably one gas station and one little general store, perhaps. And they all know each everybody other, Everybody knows everybody. Yep. Your, your kid played on the baseball team with mm-hmm. uh, so-and-so's family, and uh, you've gone to the same church socials, or you get your car fixed the same place, or you share the same dentist, and That's uh, right. it, it's affecting probably everybody yeah. in that general area. We're going to take a quick little commercial break. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Unlike the New England weather, Frida's commitment to quality ingredients, innovative dishes, and great service never changes. Come on over to Frida's Fine Food and Spirits at 105 Copeland Street in West Bridgewater and enjoy a local tradition by having a lunch or dinner there. Frida's has been family-owned and operated for over 25 years thanks to loyal diners like you. Everything at Frida's is fresh and prepared there. Plan to join them at 4 p.m. for dinner, Tuesday through Sunday. Have a party or special event coming up? Let Frida's Fine Food and Spirits cater your next event. It's all at Frida's Fine Food and Spirits, where the tradition continues. Check them out on the web at fridasrestaurant.com. Stop by and say hello to Steve and the fine staff at Frida's, 105 Copeland Street in West Bridgewater, or call Frida's at 508-583-8217. That's Frida's Fine Food and Spirits. The Perfect Place Function Hall at 2039 South Main Street on the Brockton West Bridgewater line is now open after major renovations to serve all of your function hall needs. The Perfect Place Function Hall looks forward to hosting all of your special occasions. Baby showers, bridal showers, weddings, dinner parties, anniversaries, repasts, and any civic meetings. Customized packages of a full-service banquet facility are a specialty of the Perfect Place Function 
Reception Hall. Accessible to public transportation. Free, well-lit, and secure parking at all times. In addition to Brockton, Easton, and all of the Bridgewaters, the Perfect Place Function Hall services the entire Metro South area. Contact the Perfect Place Function Hall today for further information at 774-480-5106 or online at theperfectplace at hotmail.com. The Perfect Place Function Hall. Have your next event with us. And and we're back. This is Jack Rivers House Show News and Views, and we have a call. Hello, caller. Hey, good afternoon. This is Tim Montjoy with Operation Teammate. How's everyone? Uh, very good. I'm Jack White, host of the show, along with my co-host, uh, Murray Vetstein. Also joining me live in the studio, Travis Poddington, Marine Corps veteran. Murray is a, a Navy veteran. And Brian Hoffman, who is also a Navy veteran. Hey, Tim. Oh, excellent. Well, hey, I appreciate y'all's time. Uh, How's everybody? Everybody doing good? I know you are busy. Man, with that y'all, I know you're not from New England. <laughs> no, he's a, he's a Georgia fan, unfortunately. Down here in Georgia. Uh oh, Bulldogs or or uh, the Yellow Jackets? Oh, definitely uh, Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, sorry, you just lost my vote. My son-in-law's a Georgia Tech guy. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, both programs are obviously they are quality teams, but yeah. I've just kind of been a Bulldogs fan, you know, just from birth. So, Tim, um, this is Travis. How are you doing? Thank you so much for your time. I just wanted you to take – it's great. I'm glad to be talking to you, as always. And uh, people uh, up here and in the studio really want to know what Operation Teammate does. They've never really heard of this kind of outreach before. So um, I just would appreciate taking a couple uh, minutes to uh, talk to us and uh, tell us what it's about. Absolutely. Well, um, can I just give you a short background on myself? I'm retired Air Force, been retired for just at a year now. So I've uh, been having a lot of fun since I've been retired, actually, since I've been doing Operation Teammate full-time. And part of the intent of coming up with Operation Teammate, I became a single parent full-time when I returned from Korea in '03. And as I continued my Air Force career and she was growing up doing different athletics and involved in the community, there was really never an outlet for her to be mentored. Her and I have a really good relationship, but outside the home, her to be mentored from a student-athlete perspective. So as I was getting close to the point of retiring, because everyone has to get out, separate, retire, something of that nature, and we, her and I were kind of collaborating and bouncing ideas, and we, we do a lot of community service, and we wanted to come up with an avenue to still be connected to the service community, either that be military or your first responders, but also give the child an opportunity to learn something from a sporting event. So we started off with Operation Teammate and kind of just showing appreciation to the military and first responder child and setting up sporting events, taking them out to basketball, baseball, football events, giving them time to relax and kind of just show an extra appreciation. And as the last two years have kind of materialized, things have evolved into mentoring scenarios. So when we coordinate events with uh, athletic teams or sports personalities or even individual athletes, we work out a an opportunity or a way for the kids to interact and be more engaging with those student athletes or professional athletes and learn something from them. Uh, One of our most recent events, speaking of 
the University of Georgia. We did an event with the University of Georgia. They allowed us to come out and experience their practice before the season started, actually, on August 4th. We toured the athletic facilities, the college campus. And then we circled back, and once the practice was over, three of the athletes came into one of their kind of cool, state-of-the-art meeting rooms and, you know, kind of mentored the kids a little bit, engaged with them. And, and, and the kids really got a, um, you know, they really were impressed. Now, coincidentally, for this particular event, one of the Georgia quarterbacks is a Navy child. His dad is still in the Navy. So the kids were absolutely captivated, really mesmerized by his background and then ultimately his message to the kids because, I mean, he lived it. I mean, he still lives it when his dad has to go overseas, you know, you know, being in the Navy. So, you know, just in short, that's kind of the purpose and the intent. And really the measure of success is the smiles and the, the, the motivation that these kids get from speaking to the athletes. So. I mean, we have a lot of fun. We got a lot of cool things coming up for 2018, and 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 I mean, we would love your listeners and your followers to get on board and contact us and and see how we might be able to involve them at one of our events. Absolutely, it's it's always amazing how uh, uh, when it comes to like touring a sports complex or meeting a, an athlete, whether on a college level or a professional athlete, and you see the look in someone's eyes. And when I by saying someone, that someone could be five year old, a teenager, fifteen, a grand father is 75 it's a great way to bond together oh absolutely and we take pride in that too part of uh some of the questions that we get from families um is that hey do we provide transportation now the answer to that is no and and the main reason that we do not provide transportation is because these experiences just like you said are bonding family bonding experiences and we want that at-home parent or guardian involved with the kids at these events. One, it's fun. And then two, they can truly feel the excitement and the, the again, measure of success or the, the motivation that the kids get from interacting with these athletes. athletes. So you're absolutely right. I mean, they're definitely, I mean, it, it, it's just crazy how excited the kids get and then the parents or the guardians get excited for the kids at the event absolutely well tim it's just been great watching you grow over the last year and i think what we talked about before and the last time we had you on the podcast is that you were really you know getting the opportunity to go out in different directions um would you mind telling us about some of the things you have coming up in 2018 I tell you, um, I'm the type of person that doesn't take no lightly, and I'm very persistent. And some of the people that I've reached out to will tell you that. They're like, wow, I've got two or three emails from you, and now you're calling me. And I'm like, yeah, because, I mean, I just want to connect with you and see how we can make an impact with the kids. So I tell you that because uh, going back, we started off with your traditional baseball, basketball, football, just because that's kind of the more prominent or popular sports. But as we did events and we got feedback, from the families and the children, you know, we started doing uh, volleyball, lacrosse. We're in contact with the Atlanta Ballet Company. And and part of what we're doing for 2018 is, uh, sorry if I jump back and forth, but part of what we want to do for 2018 is implement kind of a pen pal scenario between some of the athletes, when appropriate, uh, and the kids that have, you know, a parent away from home. And we're in contact. I'm here in Augusta, Georgia. Believe it or not, it's a it's a uh, challenge um, to get in contact with the uh, Augusta National and Masters 
um, environment here. But believe it or not, I have, and uh, we're we're potentially going to be able to take some kids out to the the 2018 Masters tournament. We've already been in contact with NASCAR to set up some experiences for the kids for, uh, from that perspective. And then also we're going to revisit some of the teams that we've built relationships with from minor league baseball, the Columbia Fireflies, the Augusta Green Jackets here in Augusta, uh, the Charlotte Hornets from the NBA perspective. We're in contact with um, the Atlanta Braves from a baseball professional baseball perspective. And then, you know, and then as we're building our network of teams, one of the most important or probably the most important is building those relationships with families. Um, part of what we do is we utilize our families as liaisons between the community and operation teammate and the teams. Now, just uh, I'm sure your listeners can attest to, and, and it varies, but on average, military families, and obviously it depends on the position, but on, on average, families move about every three, three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Operation teammate is, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say the heads are nodding here from the three veterans in the, in, uh, here in the studio. Right, right. So Operation Teammate is into our third year, approaching our third three-and-a-half-year uh, three mark, and the families that have attended events, been exposed to Operation Teammate, are going to be able to take Operation Teammate out of the southeast to their new duty location and act as that liaison between the bases, the community, and then their teams in their areas and be able to coordinate so we can make a larger impact and have a bigger, you know, ultimately have a bigger footprint from an Operation Teammate perspective so, outside of the southeast. So, yeah, speaking of that, how, how would, because a lot of my friends are starting to get interested in this, how would we up here start to get involved with Operation Teammate Tim? Absolutely. Well, our website is, is is phenomenal. If you haven't checked it out, check out OperationTeammate.org. A lot of good information there. It has all of our past events listed. And there's a couple of different avenues on there. You can call us directly. You can email us. And also there's a families and a teams uh, avenue directly off of the website to where you can fill out just some short information. Tell us about your either your family or your team and how you would like to be involved. Uh, either as a mentor, uh, as an athletic organization, uh, donation. We do take donations. We're a nationally registered organization. And then, um, again, I mean, there's multiple avenues. And then we're also on every social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And then I, I, I love using LinkedIn to, you know, do some networking. So, absolutely. Well, well, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm so glad you're on the sh- uh, this show today. Uh, these guys here are, are 100% behind veterans, very vested in the community in the local area up here. And it's just one of my things I'd love to see Operation Team be able to come up here in this area and, and do something. And uh, we just, you know, um, we think we have great things ahead of you. Absolutely. Um and, and not to go long-winded, but I do have an opportunity to go speak in January um, to the uh, American Football Coaches Association. They have a conference every year. It rotates to different locations. This year, coincidentally, it's in Charlotte, and they have invited me to come up and speak to about 2,000 football coaches from all over America, uh, all college levels and high school. So I'm going to be able to introduce Operation Teammates to that uh, demographic and the coaches association and hopefully build some uh, relationships and hopefully coordinate some events from that perspective. 
I, I think that's going to be a great experience not only for you but also for the coaches uh, here in the Northeast. I know some of the uh, universities up here uh, have instituted a program where uh, they will some of the uh, the local uh, basketball teams, uh, hockey teams, and so forth. Essentially, you might say have adopted uh, a, a child from the area that might have a physical handicap or emotional handicap as part of the team. Some of these kids are five, six, eight, ten years old. But I heard an interview with one of the coaches, and he's appreciated the fact of not only this happening, but also pointing out to uh, the, the kids on the, the college level, it's not all about just the sports, it's about life. Mm-hmm. And you see the different reaction from the players themselves when they realize there's more to uh, uh, life than just uh, shooting a basket or scoring a goal, because some of these other kids don't, are never going to have that opportunity or limited opportunities due to uh, various aspects of life. And the same is true of uh, some of the uh, children of veterans uh, active duty people that are deployed overseas and may not be able to make it to their kids little league game or high school hockey game or whatever the case may be so I think it's a win-win situation not only for the colleges and universities or as you mentioned uh, minor league and major league uh, sports teams but I think the athletes do recognize hey this is an eye opener to them as to what is important in life Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the athletes that we've came in contact with, and once they start actually understanding the kids' background and story and what they have to go through growing up in a military or first responder community, it really hits home not just with the child but with the student athlete or professional athlete. So, I mean, we've got a lot of great things coming up, and, and we would love to have you, your team, and your listeners and followers contact us and get on board and help us make an impact as we move forward into 2018. And how would if someone in the listening area hears about this uh, your organization, how would they get in touch with you? Absolutely. The quickest way to do it is to uh, just visit our website, operationteammate.org and then like I said, there's a couple of different avenues that teams and uh, families can contact us and then we're also on uh, you know, like I said, every social media Operation Teammate on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, things of that nature, and 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 we are very responsive. I mean, I get back everything goes straight to my phone, and that's kind of twofold, fortunately or unfortunately, because I can't ever get off my phone. But um, I mean, it's good, it's good, it's good traffic, and uh, I would love to be able to hear from your audience. Absolutely, I, I I can visualize just by hearing over the airwaves, so to speak, the enthusiasm for what you're doing, and I just want to say on behalf of uh, the three of the gentlemen here in the studio, all of the veterans, I'm. Uh, first of all, thank you for your service. And now that you're out of the service, thank you for what you're doing nowadays for our people in the service. Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me. I appreciate it, and I look forward to the next time. Tim, thanks for coming on. Good luck, Tim. Thank all right. You. Thank you, Tim. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thank you all very much. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. He's a Frequ- great guy. Frequently, I can tell for someone who's either been in the service or is a, uh, their family is involved in the service, they use a lot of sirs, which I think is always very respectful. Do. Don't you yeah. wish everybody else did in life, yes. even when you were connected with the service, when, you, when you're walking down the street or you're going in to get some work done on your yeah. car, whatever the case yeah, may absolutely. be. It's always nice for people to be respectful yes. in life. You know, yes. it is very yeah. good. Among other things, the military teaches respect and discipline. Yes, <laughs> That's it does. True. Yes, it does. We're going to take a quick commercial break, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
The Souza Family Farm, your destination for fresh, locally grown fruits, vegetables, and flowers, is expanding from being primarily a wholesaler to serving you, the general public, located on 33 Agricultural Avenue in North Rehoboth. The folks at Souza Family Farm are now harvesting eggplants, tomatoes, peppers, all fresh from the Souza Family Farm to your table. In a few short weeks, we'll be seeing the frost on the pumpkin. Valerie, John, Anthony, and their crew are already harvesting pumpkins, Hubbard squash, butternut squash, acorn squash, and kaboka, also known as the Japanese pumpkin. At Sousa Family Farm, thousands upon thousands of mums are starting to bloom. Time to think of color for your front yards. Corn stacks and farm fresh eggs also available. Visit Valerie at the original Easton Farmer's Market on Depot Street in Easton every Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Also, visit the Sousa Family Farm online or stop by the farm at 33 Agricultural Avenue in North Rehoboth seven days a week. Hi, this is Jim Larkin. Hope you can join me every Sunday from noon to 2 o'clock here on WVBF, the sounds of the Emerald Isle. We'll have some great Irish music, some folk, traditional, country, and contemporary, and sometimes some live singers in the studio. And to make you laugh, some Irish comedy. That's Sundays from noon to 2 right here on WVBF, 1530 Taunton, Middleborough, and on the Internet at hometowntalkradio.com. Unlike the New England weather, Frida's commitment to quality ingredients, innovative dishes, and great service never changes. Come on over to Frida's Fine Food and Spirits at 105 Copeland Street in West Bridgewater and enjoy a local tradition by having a lunch or dinner there. Frida's has been family-owned and operated for over 25 years thanks to loyal diners like you. Everything at Frida's is fresh and prepared there. Plan to join them at 4 p.m. for dinner, Tuesday through Sunday. Have a party or special event coming up? Let Frida's Fine Food and Spirits cater your next event. It's all at Frida's Fine Food and Spirits, where the tradition continues. Check them out on the web at fridasrestaurant.com. Stop by and say hello to Steve and the fine staff at Frida's. 105 Copeland Street in West Bridgewater, or call Frida's at 508-583-8217. That's Frida's Fine Food and Spirits. The Perfect Place Function Hall at 2039 South Main Street on the Brockton West Bridgewater line is now open after major renovations to serve all of your function hall needs. The Perfect Place Function Hall looks forward to hosting all of your special occasions. Baby showers, bridal showers, weddings, dinner parties, anniversaries, repasts, and any civic meetings. Customized packages of a full-service banquet facility are a specialty of the Perfect Place Function Hall. Accessible to public transportation, free, well-lit, and secure parking at all times. In addition to Brockton, Easton, and all of the Bridgewaters, the Perfect Place Function Hall services the entire Metro South area. Contact the Perfect Place Function Hall today for further information at 774-480-5106 or online at theperfectplace at hotmail.com. The Perfect Place Function Hall. Have your next event with us. And we're back. This is Jack White with South Shore News and Views. And uh, Travis, what was the gentleman's name again that we were talking to? Sure, that was uh, Tim Montjoy, M-O-N-T-J-O-Y. 
Air Force, U.S. Air Force, retired. Very good. And uh, a great organization, it sounds like. And I think one of the big things, as I said earlier when I was talking with him, you can see, hear the enthusiasm in his voice. It's contagious. Yeah. Yep. It, Absolutely. And it is good. And it's a, it's a growing program, yeah. too, which, which is good. Pretty easy to have that enthusiasm when you're doing something you really enjoy uh, and you true. believe in, you yeah. know? It sounds like you what you do at the Children's Museum. You yeah. can see the enthusiasm. Yeah. Kind of like what I do. Yeah. Kids, kids <laughs> grandchildren, uh, customers that are kids coming in will, will keep uh, keep you young, as, as the case may be. Yeah, hopefully. I don't know. That may, <laughs> that may not be working so well. I'm getting older and older. But, uh, yeah, it is, it's a labor of love, I think, at times, Jack. So. Just keep telling everyone you're 93, and I'll say, geez, Brian, you look terrific for 93. That's right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's one other thing that I did want to mention. I'm glad we've got a quick moment to do that. I'm in touch on a pretty regular basis with a guy named Dave Henke out of the uh, uh, Veterans Administration in the VA hospital. And one of the things that's coming up, that if you're not going to the Children's Museum, or even if you are on Veterans Day, from noon to 2 p.m., at Zavarian Brothers High School up in Westwood, up on Clapboard Tree Street, there is the what's called the Game of Honor, and it is a flag football game that is being played by the Wounded Warrior Amputees versus the New England Patriots alumni. And there's also some NHL Bruins alumni, uh, a lot of great people involved here. And a couple of uh, couple of headliners are a uh, very, very good guy, former Navy guy, former Vietnam veteran and Heisman Trophy winner Joe Bellino will be there. Oh, yes. Uh, Drew Bledsoe will be there. Great, great guy. Joe Andruzzi, who's got his own uh, charity, will be there. Uh, you know, players like Steve Diossi, Steve Nelson, Randy Vataha. The wow. names go on and on. And also, uh, really, really good guy, Tim Neverett, who is now the color commentary on WEI for Red Sox Radio, will be there. Terrific guy, along with Rod Bradford from WEI.com. So, whole big passel of people, NHL and NFL greats playing in a flag football game with Wounded Warrior amputees. And it's not just Wounded Warriors. Actually, uh, there are a couple of people from the Boston Marathon bombings who are amputee uh, recoverees, uh, including uh, Jessica Kensky and Patrick Downs and J.P. and Paul Norden, the brothers, mm-hmm. you know, who are amputees. So fabulous thing, $10 to get in, which is ridiculously mm-hmm. cheap. You know, give them a 20 and tell them to keep the change. It's a great cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, students in military free. And if you are a dog owner, bring your pet. Really? Because wow. it's a dog-friendly environment. They're going to have raffles, all kinds of food and stuff. So this is at Zavarian High School, uh, Saturday, November 11th, from noon to 2 p.m. Uh, and uh, uh, if you're interested in all, go to WWAFT, that's Wounded Warrior Amputees Fund, WWAFT.org, or their WWAFT Facebook page. So I'm glad Dave sent this along to me, and I'm glad to pass it along to our listeners. You talk about great. Uh, two of the people you mentioned, the former Patriots, Drew Bledsoe. I'm proud of a great-looking, in pristine condition, Drew Bledsoe shirt. And you mentioned Joey Andrusi. My wa- Joey Andrusi, yeah. My wife has a picture taken with Joey Andrusi, and my wife has got the uh, the Patriot rings. And she's towering. He's towering over her, right? Oh, yeah, he's yeah. towering over her, but the rings look like bracelets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're great guys. They continue yeah. to give back. Joey Andrusi's foundation, which is uh, home-based over in uh, Mansfield, is a terrific group of 
of people. So these are these are guys and gals that get involved and give back just in the way that Tim uh, Montjoy was doing in the way so many other unsung people do day after day. You mentioned about Jessica Kinski and her and her husband who yep. have done a lot in charity work now, yep. both amputees from the, uh, the marathon. I don't know if you had ever seen the story about Joy Andruzzi at the marathon. No, no, I'm not sure that I had heard that yeah. he was involved. There. He was involved, and, and one of the and responders. Yeah, it's worth yeah. looking up on the internet. Joe Andrews was involved in a charity event on that day, right at one of the bar restaurants, right near the yeah, marathon, the marathon sports. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, uh, you can look this up, and uh, a lot of people don't realize that yeah. uh, there's a picture of him. Uh, that was taken carrying one of the marathon uh, injured women uh, with her two daughters on either side of him, and he's he's carrying her to safety out the out the back and in the back alley. And someone happened to take a picture of him as he was helping to evacuate her from the scene and getting into an ambulance. Uh, and she was uh, somewhat seriously injured, to say the least. And uh, he, yeah. oh yeah, very yeah. interesting story. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it is when uh, I, I had done a little research. Search as as is the case may be about that. So here's someone who was involved in charity work who, as the saying goes, being in a bad place at the right time. Yeah. You might say, yeah. and, and uh, it being one of the especially the, right for somebody they were uh, able to help. Emergency responders at the time. Well, you sure. see some of these terrible things that have happened, like the Boston Marathon bombings. And but out of all these terrible things, you, know, you do see some heroic you do stuff and, and people you do. really. That, and it's uh, the human race. Yeah. Being human. That's it. You know, and that's, that's, it. that's the best part of it. So, that's it. so Travis, we haven't had a chance to uh, promote your Oscar Mike radio. That's that's unacceptable. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's, it's just good to be with you guys. So uh, <laughs> lots of good stuff coming with the podcast. And I, I, the podcast is my way of trying to connect uh, people like Tim Montjoy, for example, with a wider audience uh, to sit there. One of my recent episodes was about a uh, Marine veteran I know, and he has PTSD and got a support animal, uh, a dog. And this dog has changed not only his life, but also his family's life. And to see the change in this Marine and see him come back because the dog brings out a, a level of comfort is just amazing. You mentioned about dogs. I was just reading a thing about uh, exercise and so forth. As people get older, they should get more exercise. And here you are in the... Uh, wonderful New England environment of uh, cold winter that is, I like to say, five months long. But that being the case, the little tip that uh, someone was given about exercise is get a dog or get two dogs. Mm-hmm. And what they will do, besides we'll get into uh, providing emotional support and comfort and all that out and best friend, they get you outside because they want to go out. Hey, <laughs> I they want to go ha- out. They have go to go out. out. I got to go out. And you'll go out and go for that walk. And all of a sudden, you're going for the walk down the street, around the block, and you're getting exercise. The dog's getting exercise. But it's getting you out. Right, yeah, and right. and it, it'll even get you out in these uh, cooler days. Sure. And all of a sudden, you realize, hey, I can just put an extra sweater on. It's really not that bad. Uh, let's go, hey, Fido. We haven't named the dog Fido anymore. But uh, <laughs> uh, we'll go for the walk around the block, or we'll go to the park, or, or something like that. So it's good, Donald. Don- of emotional support for a lot of people, it's good for the physical aspect of getting someone out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, I want to circle back.
fact, something Travis just touched on um, that we shouldn't pass over, and that is the fact that we talk so much about what is done for veterans, uh, and that's all well and good. But I think that we need to stay mindful of the fact that veterans have families, and what happens to veterans affects those families, whether it is PTSD, whether it is uh, you know post-surgical stuff, whether somebody is an amputee, whether somebody has come back with a disability that leaves them less able to care for their family or make a living. Uh, what we do in service to the country and what others have done in service to the country doesn't just affect them. It affects families all over America. And things like what uh, Tim Montjoy is doing, you know, uh, with his teammates uh, program, things that are being done by the VA, things that are being done by the Teamsters, by so many different groups, not to just pay homage to those service people, but to provide supportive services and things that help those families continue to be a family are so important. And it's important well, to kind of so. keep that in, fake, in focus, too. It's a commercial running on television. And like once again, I'm, I'm, I'm not a veteran. You guys are. But to people out there uh, listening in, uh, first of all, for veterans, thank you for you, what you've done for us and helped us. Uh, but there's a commercial running on television. You see these commercials this time of year with Veteran Jays coming up. And, and uh, I don't know if any of you gentlemen have seen the commercial. It's in uh, pretty good airplay. I've seen it half a dozen times probably for Speedway. Gasoline yes, station. I have. Yes. yes. And uh, you, you all are agreeing. And I said, well done. Yeah, well done. Yeah. And tell me, it, it doesn't yeah. bring a, a tear to your eye when you see the little girl see it or daddy come Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but it, it's a great idea of the, that separation factor mm. uh, in terms of, uh, yeah. you know, the love to one coming home from active duty. Yeah. And you see the respect of. You know, the, the scene in the sure. gas station of uh, the people at the airport and so on and so forth. And, yep. and but, but it's, a, it's a great commercial. Yeah. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm going to go to a uh, program tonight at uh, our local library, the Ames Free Library in Easton, where they're talking about the honor flights. Uh, oh, yes. Taking uh, yep. veterans to Washington, D.C. to see the... Uh, uh, see the uh, memorials. Can we talk know. about that a little? I'm a little familiar with it. Absolutely, so, sure. A friend of mine in Illinois just did that. Yeah. Okay. A friend of mine in Illinois just took her father. He was a Korean War uh, mm-hmm. Navy CB. Yep. From uh, Peoria, Illinois to uh, Washington, D.C. She. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Life changing. Yeah. And whoever's doing this program tonight took her dad, who is a, a Korean uh, War veteran, yep. mm-hmm. to Washington on the honor flights. And I guess it's just. An, a, a, we were there, my wife and I. Uh, my brother-in-law, who's a, a Vietnam Navy veteran, was there same time I was, but we didn't know each other way back then. Mm-hmm. Um, we were there when the World War II uh, monument opened in D.C., and he and I were at the Vietnam Memorial Wall, you know, uh, just after that was installed, uh, you know, in, in uh, D.C. as well. And mm-hmm. if you haven't been to some of those things, they are absolutely astounding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is very good. And uh, uh, the fact of the, the honor flights and so forth, for the World War II veterans we talked about earlier, uh, minimum age is about 90, so this might be their last chance to uh, go down there. And for a lot of these people, uh, in terms of the honor flight, first-class service at the airport, uh, you're welcomed heartily. Uh, you have an escort with you all the way down there. When you land down in D.C., I believe you get uh, a police escort to uh, the various yeah. locations. You don't have I can't to wait to learn about it. I'm really looking forward you to it. You don't yeah. have to really worry about Oh, D.C. traffic. This is a great thing, folks. Uh, uh, you don't yeah. have to wait in line for anything like that, whether you're in a wheelchair or in a walker or on a cane or you need a, yeah. a little support from somebody else. Uh, uh, they're right there to help you out and so forth. And uh, it's, it's really great for Yeah, I've heard about it, but I'm looking forward to going to this presentation tonight. So. 
Once again, Jack. What? That's what's coming on next hour. Oh, oh Gary Chakovitz. Stay so tuned if you're interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 From, uh, on a flight, New England. Wow, oh, talk about timing is yeah, everything. I'm so telling you. Out there. Well, Stay once again, tuned. thank you so much for having me here on behalf of the Children's Museum. I'm so glad that we were able to get the Teamsters involved. Travis, great sitting at the desk with you, Pops. Absolutely, sir. Good to you. Jack, if I can just close with one thing. Sure thing. Uh, one thing with Austin Mike Radio is uh, we're going to start trying to be on Abington uh, Community Access Media, the local cable access show. So if you're a veteran or have an organization like yours um, and you want to think about coming on uh, to talk about it, just hit me up at Travis at OsternMikeRadio.com, and uh, we'll see about getting you on. Thank you very much. Well, just want to thank Travis and Brian for joining us. Uh, thank you to all the veterans for listening and for the service uh, that you provided. I hope everyone has a wonderful uh, Veterans Day this Saturday, November 11th. And uh, that's uh, that's all I had. And, and hello to Bob Wiskerda. Yeah, wherever you are, Bob. <laughs> Bob took another mysterious day off. So we're going to, Tony, can you make sure that you uh, make a, a note in Bob's personal file that yeah. he was off today? Bob's yeah. busy removing all those old bowling <laughs> trophies. He's getting a phone call and a reprimand. Yeah, that's right. Oh, my goodness. The realtor, fun. realtor told him to get rid of all the bowling trophies. You know? Oh, no. This, this could be breaking news here. Bob Wiskert is going to be punished, yeah. flogged publicly. And, <laughs> and with all this talk, there may be a rumor that I've been inspired to listen to the armed forces, but I'm afraid I'm a little too old right now. Well, thank you for your service with the Postal Service. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> this is Jack White. You've been listening to Social News and Views. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned. We're going to be talking some more Veterans Affairs coming up in just a few minutes. You are listening to The Voice of Southeastern Massachusetts, AM 1530, WVBF, Middleborough, Taunton.